know, it just amazes me how every service is so different. It just really is, and how unique every service is. And um, because there are different needs in this room today, God knows that, than there was in the earlier service. And um, so, you know, God never duplicates. He's an originator. So we're not going to duplicate the first service, but we are going to share God's Word with you. And uh, let's see what God would have in store for us. So uh, I'm in this series entitled All In. And I really want to look at it in a couple of different um, aspects. I want to look at it as what it means to be all in as far as um, a team member at LifePoint Church, and then what it means to be all in as far as serving and following Christ. Now, now obviously, the two go together. But basically what we're looking at when someone is all in at LifePoint Church, you know, it's where they surrender their life to the Lord, and then they take the next step of developing a prayer life, developing, you know, Bible reading, and learning how to listen to the voice and the Spirit of God. And then taking another step to where you're now surrendering your time, your talents, your treasure, your dreams, your plans to the Lord so that you can embrace his plans, you can embrace his dream for your life and his will for your life. So that's kind of what that looks like as a believer, what we're uh, helping at LifePoint Church. Uh, a disciple of of um, Life Point Church, a disciple of Christ, obviously, but um, that's kind of how that looks. And so, what happens many times is churches churches don't have what I would call a roadmap that would help you get to those different places. And so, you know, we can't measure where we are spiritually. And so what we want to do is provide a roadmap for you to be able to see where you are and to be able to not only show you where you are, but have you to be able to take the steps to get to where you need to be. Or maybe just show you, hey, I'm doing all right. I'm doing, I'm doing good in this area, and I'm just going to continue to build my faith. So I'm going to talk about those things. But before I do that, I'm going to pray because I need it. So pray with me and pray for me. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come to you and we humble ourselves under your mighty hand. I ask God that you would speak to us over the next few minutes, God. I pray that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. And everyone said, amen. Um, I'm going to start really simple here and basically the pediatrics of our foundation of faith. And then I'm going to build off of that. And the reason that I'm going to do it this way is because we have people that are on every, um, are many different levels. I don't even like to use the word level. Many different places in their walk with the Lord. For instance, we have people that um, are coming to church for the very first time. Not talking about, you know, just life point. I'm talking about they've never been in church their entire life. I shared with you our, uh, in the first service, there was a man, um, it's Dan, and uh, Dan came on kickoff Sunday. He was invited. He's 49 years old. It's the first time in his life he's ever been in church. So we're finding that God is, is bringing people who have never even graced the doors of church. And I thought about that, and I felt like the, I felt like the Lord checked me with that and, and to let me know that he can trust us by sending people to this house, that they will be accepted, 
that they will be encouraged to grow in their faith and they, they would be loved and um, they would be nurtured. So God is saying, I can trust them with you. And I think that's awesome that God can trust us with people who have never, ever graced the doors of a church. So Dan's very first time was our kickoff Sunday. And that's why I said, you never know who you're going to invite, what God's going to do for them. And um, the very first time he came here, we put him to work. He was here early, and we still had things that needed to be set up. That was a huge day for us. And he said, I don't mind. I'll just get in here, and I'll help you out. So we typically don't do that with newbies, just in case you're new here today. We're not going to have you taking down today when we're done. Unless you want to, that would be greatly appreciative. But, <laughs> but no, he just jumped right in. And um, so I've kind of been following him the last couple of weeks and just noticing, <clears throat> excuse me, noticing God moving in his life. And uh, he was one of the ones who gave his heart to the Lord this morning. <clears throat> so 49 years old, never graced the doors of a church. And his third time here, he's given his heart to the Lord. And um, he was actually helping us yesterday, too. So it's just amazing what God is doing. So I said all of that to say this. You know, there are people at every end of the spectrum here. And so in order for me to help bring people along, I got to start here and just move this way because I myself, you know, I've been in church nine months before I was even born. That's how long I've been in church. Somebody will get that on the way home. I'm in, still in church, God. I'm still here. <laughs> so, so not thinking about leaving either, Lord. I'm here. So that's hard for me to understand that there's people that have lived on this earth for 50 years that have never graced the doors of it, especially in America, right? All right, especially in America where there's a church on every corner. And um, so, so I, knowing that, I know that I need to just take us all along here. So what I'm going to share with you, some of you are like, well, that's pretty simple, Pastor. I understand that. I know that. But take in mind that there are people that are hearing this for the very first time in their life. Okay, so you can just amen me as we get through this. But when you become born again, all right, you're going to drop everything and you're going to follow Christ. When you become born again, your spirit is redeemed. All right, that's, that's the terminology that's given. Your spirit is redeemed. And literally what happened was this, that God purchased you back off of the auction block of the enemy. Why? Because before salvation, we were a slave to sin. We were ensnared in sin. And so we had to be redeemed, purchased back in order to be able to live a life for Christ. God redeemed us. He paid the price for us with the precious blood of his son, Jesus, what we sung about this morning. So God purchased us, redeemed us back through the blood of his son, Jesus. And in case you're wondering how this works, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tells us how this works. And it simply says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It is the gift of God. It's not by works so that none of us can boast. So 
religion teaches us that you have to do certain things, and if you do certain things and behave certain ways, that then you can gain God's favor and maybe find your way into heaven. But the Bible teaches us that that we are saved not based upon merit, not based upon our good deeds, not based upon anything that we ourselves can do, but we are saved by grace through faith because of what Jesus did for us. So it's what he did, not what we do, right? So in order for you to be saved, you just have to believe, and then you have to receive. It's like if I hand you a gift, since it's Jocelyn's anniversary, she says, why are you picking on me all day, Pastor? 18 years, and I told her, amen. And if you're wondering where her husband is, he's at a baseball game with their son, because that's what happens after 18 years of marriage. That's how you celebrate your anniversary. She's in church, they're at a baseball game, right? You know what I'm talking about. I have no idea where I was going after that either. Oh, I know. So in order for you to be saved, you have to believe and receive. So if I said, Jocelyn, here's an anniversary gift. God bless you because I married them 18 years ago. Uh, Yeah. You look the same. I've changed, so I don't know what's up with that. If I handed her a gift, she would have to, not because of anything she's done, but because I just want to give her a gift. She has, in order for her to, in, in order for her to experience this gift, she has to open it, right? Right? So in order for you and I to experience the gift of salvation, we have to receive it and believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. Now listen to me. That is the beginning of your spiritual journey. Here's the mistake I think a lot of people make, and I think the churches are guilty of this as well. I think that once once someone comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, it's almost as like, okay, I've done it, it's over, that's it. Salvation is just the beginning of your spiritual journey. Now, are you going to heaven? Yes, you are. If you're born again, you're on your way to heaven. But how many of you know we're still on this earth? And we're still here to live for Christ until he calls us home. That's what we're here for, to live for him and to glorify him. So then we need to learn how to walk out our faith while we are here on this earth. So... God redeems us through a born-again experience. It's the beginning of your journey. There are many other things that we then begin to learn and grow and experience in this thing called faith. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and I'm not going to be shouting this morning. I'm going to be teaching, so just hunker in and let's, let's learn some things. May, the God, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless 
at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I've already dealt with the spiritual part, and I've already shared with you what it takes to be saved and what that means. And it's all, it's everything that he's done. We just receive it. But I want you to notice there's two other components to this thing of sanctification. He says that your soul and your body might be sanctified and kept blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you know this, that when you get saved, nothing changes with your body. Sorry, it doesn't. <laughs> nothing happens to your body when you become born again. If, if, if something would happen, I would have asked for more hair. That's just my request. Yours might be different. But anyway, nothing changes with your body. The same could be said about your soul. And that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes. The same could be said about your soul. We then are required by God to steward both the body and the soul. God is not going to come down and take care of our body. That's our responsibility. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives on the inside of us. But God also says you are responsible to take care of this temple. Now, God in his word will show us things, things that we should avoid, things that we should embrace, things that we need to turn away from, and things that we need to turn to. But God doesn't do that for us. That's our responsibility. We have to do it as well. Well, the same thing could be said for your soul as well. And so, so if you're going to develop this all-in relationship with the Lord and walk out uh, this thing out by faith, there are a couple of things that you're going to have to do. The first thing is this, you're going to have to surrender to the process of sanctification. You don't hear a lot about that in churches today, but I'm going to talk about it. You have to surrender to the process of sanctification. What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, surrendering in this case to the process of sanctification and dealing with the soul means this. The soul has to be renewed. Everyone say renewed. So your soul has to be renewed. Your spirit is redeemed. This is how you know God. But your soul is renewed because your soul was subject to this world and its ways before salvation. And so the longer you were of this world, the more of the world that's in us or in you, right? Did I say that right? I think I did. The longer you are in the world, the more the world gets in you, all right? So when you become born again, your spirit is, is redeemed, but your soul is still toxic, and your soul has to be renewed. And so what happens a lot of times is we adapt to the ways of the world. We adapt to its thinking. We adapt to its ways. We adapt to its methods. We adapt to its philosophy, and we get ingrained in its culture. And so all of that has to be taken out of us, and God's word has to be deposited into us. Uh, I, I shared with you that, that um, last week that how that, you know, once you become born again, you have to guard the fact that there will be a pull from the world to pull you back to its ways, to pull you back to its thoughts, to pull you back into its, its, uh, its way of thinking. Remember the children of Israel? As they started wandering through the wilderness, they started complaining to Moses, we were better off in Egypt. 
At least we were able to eat there in Egypt, the meat of Egypt. So if you don't starve your appetite for the things of this world, guess what? Sooner or later, that appetite is going to resurface again in your life, and you're going to notice yourself wanting and desiring things that you thought you walked away from, things that you laid down at one point in time in your life. And so the world and its way and its system affects the way that we think. And the Bible says this, the Bible tells us, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Thoughts create beliefs. Beliefs create behavior. So if you were brought up to believe a certain way, then it will affect how you behave. That's why there are two things that really shape your thinking. They are your parents or your guardian and the culture in which you were brought up in. This is why it's so vital as, as parents of children that we do what the Bible says, to bring up our children, right, in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, to train up a child in the way that they should go. Why? Because when they get old and are out from underneath your house, they will not depart from the faith. Amen. Come on, don't shout me down right there. Well, you know, we're just going to let them choose. Are you kidding me? You're responsible for their development. You're responsible for, for their spiritual DNA until they can come to that saving knowledge and experience it for themselves. You're responsible to continue to train and educate your children in the ways and the things of God, right? So that's, I mean, that's just the way it was at our house. And I knew that. And so, so when I left, when I left that covering, and went out into the world after, after I left at 18 years old, I didn't grace the doors of a church for five years. I told you I was there nine months before I was born. But when I turned 18 and left the house, I didn't grace church for five years. But let me tell you what happened in those five years. Because of what was deposited in me, train up a child in the way that they should go. Because of the lessons that I learned that my mother taught me. Because of the Sunday school classes that I was in that I didn't think I was getting anything from right? All of those things, they don't leave you. And it was those things that would every now and then resurface in my life. God would bring those things up and I wasn't following him and I wasn't serving him, but what was put in me couldn't get, I couldn't get away from. Are you with me this morning? So keep on preaching, Mom. Keep on preaching, Dad. Keep on telling me you're going to the house of the Lord. That's just the way it's going to be. Can I get an amen right there? Thank you so much. So even though our spirit man has been redeemed, we have to change the way that we think. That's our responsibility. We have to reshape the way that we think. We have to reshape the way, what we believe. So that, we can, so that we can change the behavior and patterns in our life. So this is where our soul comes into play. Your soul consists of your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's what makes your soul. It's your mind, it's your will, and it is your emotions. Uh, when Moses came out of Egypt, the Bible said that Moses spent 40 years on the backside of a desert tending his father-in-law's sheep. When you look at Moses' life, you can see that Moses' life was divided into three sections of 40. The first 40 years of Moses' life was spent in Egypt, which we know was a type of the world. 
was spent in Egypt. Even though Moses was a Hebrew, he was brought up an Egyptian. Remember, his mommy put him in the basket, sent him down the Nile. Moses's, or, uh, Pharaoh's daughter pulled him out of the Nile and raised him. And so Moses was born a Hebrew, but he was raised an Egyptian. So the culture was ingrained in Moses, the way they thought, the way they did things, the way they behaved, what and who they worshiped was all ingrained into Moses. And so when Moses took matters in his own hands and said, he, he just knew because there was a pull on him. Uh, his, his Hebrew uh, ties pulled on him because he saw the Hebrews being abused and he tried to defend them. Remember, he, he took it in his own hands and he murdered the Egyptian and he fled for 40 years. Well, I think what was happening during those 40 years, I think God was reprogramming Moses. Now, it doesn't take 40 years to get Egypt out of us. Um, but I think that this is a picture for us that when God pulls us out of the world, when God pulls us out of that system and out of that way of thinking, that there, there begins a process in which we have to be reprogrammed, redeveloped, so, so that we can get what God has for us, not what the world has for us. We can get God's ways and not the world's ways. Are you with me right here, right? But watch this. So then God took Moses' last 40 years of his life, broken into three sets of 40. He took his last 40 years and did what? Sent him back to Egypt. But this time, he was, he was not of Egypt, or he was not in Egypt. He was not of Egypt. How, am I, how do I want to say this? We are not of this world. We are in this world. That's how I want to say it. So God sent him back to bring people out. God saves us, delivers us, pulls us out, reprograms us, and send us right back to the very culture that he delivered us from so that we can pull those people that are in that culture out of that culture so that they can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're in it, but we're not of it. He went back in it, but he was not of it. That's what I was trying to say. Thank you. And so it's the same thing with us. God pulls us out, saves us, redeems us, reprograms us, and says, okay, go back and get as many as you can and pull them right back out of that system so that they can be retrained, reprogrammed, so that I can send them back and pull as many people out as possible. That's why when you and I get saved, one of the first things we want to do is go back and tell somebody about it. Look what the Lord has done. So, so here we go. Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, say he's talking about me. Go ahead and put your name right there. I urge you in view of God's mercy or because God's been merciful to us. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Remember, spirit, soul, and body. It's your responsibility to offer your body to the service of the Lord. Whatever you need me to do, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'm here. When you do that, that is seen as an act of worship. Not just here with hands lifted. But when you give your life and body to God, say, here I am, Lord, use me. Whatever you do then becomes an act of worship unto the Lord when it's done in his name. Look at the next part of this. 
and says, verse number two, do not conform to the pattern, the ways, the system, or the culture of this world. But what? Be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Now, how many of you know that you cannot renew something you never had? You cannot renew a prescription that was never written for you in the first place. You cannot renew your Netflix if you never signed up for it in the first place. So this thing caught me when Paul is saying, you have to renew your mind. Well, renew it back to what? I believe that we need to renew our minds back to the original man. I'll talk about that and I'll unpack that right here. Because at one time, before the fall, man, Adam, had God's mind on everything. When God created Adam, Adam had the mind of God. Now, we are told in the New Testament to what? Have the mind of Christ. So God's not asking us to do something that's not possible. He tells us to have the mind of Christ, to put on the mind of Christ. And so at one time, man had the mind of God. But when he fell, he lost the mind of God. And his thoughts became perverted because he now had to view them through a world system that God never intended for him to live in. Right? So, so, they were not contaminated. His thoughts were not contaminated by the things of this world. His mind worked just as the Lord's mind worked. That's how Adam could look at a giraffe and say, that's a giraffe. That's how he could look at an elephant and say, that's an elephant. That's how he could look at a lion and say, because did he not name the, the animals? He could look at a lion and say, that's a lion. You know why? He had the mind of God on all things. I'll say it this way. He saw what God saw. Because he had God's mind on that. This is what Paul is referring to when he says I, that we as believers need to renew our minds back to the original intent and purpose that God had for us in the beginning. To know the mind of God, to know the will of God, to know the ways of God, to know the thoughts of God. And I know what Isaiah says, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, his ways are higher than our ways. But there's another dimension in the spirit that we can know what God wants and what God is thinking and what God is doing. It's by your spirit. Amen. So what happens is because we've been in the world and then you become born again and you're redeemed, what needs to happen then is you need a reset in your soul. You need a soul reset. How many of you have one of these? Let me see them. I know you got them. Let me see them. Okay. All right. I'm just seeing who's on Facebook right now. All right. We're, I mean, for some of these, we've become a slave to it. But, I mean, really, it's supposed to help us. It's supposed to benefit us. It's supposed to make some things easier. But how many of you know if this phone gets a virus or somehow is corrupted, how many of you know that sometimes the only way to fix it is to take it back and have it sent or take it back and have it a factory reset? Yeah. Right? In other words, you're going to lose everything that's on it, but it's going to be just like it came out of the box. That's what I'm talking about right here. 
because we become contaminated with the world, just because we're in it, our thoughts become contaminated. We get this virus called sin, and it affects, it affects how we see things and do things, and we need a factory reset. We need, to, we need to go back to the one who designed it to begin with. We need to go back to the originator, and that originator and creator is God, so that we can learn the way that God thinks, so the way how God sees things. This is the soul reset. Our soul needs a reset. Now, God created us, and according to Second or Ephesians 2 and 10, he created us for good works, but we understand that the world corrupted us. It corrupted the way that we think, the way that we see things. And because it's corrupted, we have conformed to its image. This is what Paul's talking about. Rather than us being transformed, we have conformed. Oh, let me simplify it. In other words, you can't tell the difference from the church and the world. Does that make better sense? They look the same. And Paul said it shouldn't be that way. That we should stand out, not as weird and goofy, but we should stand out as believers. That when they see us, they see Jesus. They see his love. They see his mercy. They see his grace. They see his compassion. They see him in us. So we have to be transformed, and the way that we are transformed is by the renewing of our mind. We need a factory reset by our Creator so that we know who we are and that we can get His mind on everything. So the renewing of the mind is the reset process to restoring you and I back to God's original intent and original design for our life. See, here's what God wants from us. God wants us, God wants a reset on how we think and how we reason. That's my mind. God wants a reset on how we make choices. That's our will. God wants a reset on how, on what we believe, what we feel, and what we remember. That's our emotions. Because our soul consists of our mind, our will, and our emotions. So, Pastor, give me some practical application. How can I apply this to my life? How can I, how can I apply this to my life so that soul reset can take place in my life? I'm going to quickly give you some of these. Let's think about it right here, all right? Let me, let me just ask you a question. If Jesus was to walk into your house this afternoon and not say one word, but walk over to you, take out a piece of paper and write something on that paper, and then fold that piece of paper and put it on a table and then walk to someone else in your home, look at them without saying a word, write something on the piece of paper, fold that piece of paper and just go right down the line and without saying a word to anybody, as when he's finished, walk right back out. What would be the first thing that you would do? It's not a trick question. <laughs> Where's the paper? <laughs> What did Jesus say? Right. He was looking at me. He wrote something about me or something for me. What did he say? The first thing you and I would do was we would run and find that paper. We would open it up and we would read what it had to say about us. You, see, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Because you have that letter on your coffee table. Yeah. Or you have it on a smart device. 
And if you really want to know what Jesus is saying, all you have to do is open it up. If you really want to know what, really want to know what he thinks about you, all you have to do is open it up. He has written each and every one of us a personal love letter about our lives, about situations that we face. And if you want to change the way you think, you've got to read the book. Huh. Here's another thing. Just write this down. Oh, here it is. Find the scripture that corresponds with your personal soul reset. First closing. Let's say that you're struggling with peace. I, I just can't get this peace that I need. And your reaction a lot is to worry, is to fret, is to always be uptight and uneasy because you just can't get the peace that you need in your life. Then your reset scripture, just to reset the way we think, all right, would be Philippians 4, 6, and 7. This is going to help us change the way we think. If we change the way we think, we'll change what we believe. If we change what we believe, we'll change how we behave. Do not be anxious about what? Anything. Don't flip out about it. Don't worry about it. But then he tells us what to do. But in every situation, how do we handle it? Pray, prayer and petition. Remember I talked about the petition. Some of you wrote that down. It's a specific thing that you're believing God for, backed up with a scripture, dated, standing on that word. That's a petition that you bring before God. But notice the attitude in which we bring it, not of worry, not of doubt, not of unbelief, but with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. Watch what's going to happen. What are we missing? Peace, what's going to come? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and what? Your soul. In Christ Jesus. So if, if you want to reset your soul and you're struggling with, with having peace in your life, and anytime something comes up, you panic about it, you need to go back to this reset in your life. And you need to stand firm on this reset. You need to say this out loud. You need to speak this out loud. You need to quote this until this becomes a reality in your life. Come on, church, help me. This has to become something that you believe. And listen to what it says. It says that, that it will guard your mind. This word is going to be like a guard standing over your mind. That whenever that doubt and ever that unbelief and fear and panic tries to come, there's the word to guard your mind. I'm not going to let you in. 
You're not going to penetrate me this time. You're not going to penetrate my mind. You're not going to have access into this area of my life. And I'm telling you something. If you will starve doubt and if you will starve unbelief and if you will feed your faith, it won't be long before you'll have peace about every situation you find yourself in. That's the promise of God. That's the reset in your soul. Let me give you another one. Let's say that you, you struggle with fear. Fear's gripped your life, and you always tend to think about the worst-case scenario. Just keep looking at me. You don't have to look around. Just keep looking at me. And there are people that are fearful about everything. They're fearful about going outside. They're fearful about trying something new. I mean, fear just grips their life. Fearful to trust God, always thinking that something bad is going to happen. The spirit of fear has paralyzed you, so you need a reset. You need a reset in your life. So you need to find that scripture that corresponds with it, which is what? 2 Timothy 1 and 7. What does it say? Come on, help me. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. A what? A what? A sound mind. So whenever fear starts to creep itself into my life again, this is my reset, that I stand on this word. This, this is not of you, God. I refuse to receive it. How many of you know there are some packages you don't need to receive? Come on, someone. There are some things you just need to send it back to the sender. I don't receive it in Jesus' name. Now, you know, technology has made this really easy for us. All you have to do is Google whatever you're struggling with and find a scripture and stand on it. That's it. Find a scripture and stand on it. And you will begin a soul reset that will change the way that you think, that will change the way that you see things, and you'll begin to see the way that God sees and know the will of God for that situation and that circumstance in your life. It begins with a soul reset. It begins with the renewing of your mind. When you begin to renew your mind, here's what happens. It helps you to see life the way that God sees it. And that's what we want. We want to see things the way that God sees them. And the way that we do that is through a renewed mind. God doesn't do that for us. That's our responsibility. Amen? Amen. I'm going to stop there because I can't go to the next point. There's too much. It's going to talk about your five senses, how they affect us, the body, how it affects us spiritually. Maybe I'll talk about that next week if you come back. Okay? All right, let's stand. Maybe I'll talk about it next week. It's, it's surrender to accountability. Surrender to accountability. If you don't have somebody in your life that you're not accountable to, you're in trouble. You're easy prey for the enemy. 
and I'm going to tie that together. I'll do it next week. I'll tie it together with the five senses, how the spiritual part of it plays in our life. All right? So I promise to bring it back next week if you promise to come back. Okay, we'll do it that way. You know, this is what I'm sensing in this house. I'm sensing, and I have for quite some time now, I'm sensing there's a hunger in this house. People are, you're hungry, I can tell. You're hungry for God. You're hungry for His presence. You're hungry for the will and the things of God. I sense it in this room. I know, I know, I know. I can tell when I'm teaching and when I'm preaching because you're pulling on me. I can feel you pulling on me. It's just crazy how that works, but I, I can sense you're pulling, the, pulling it out of what God's put in me. I can sense that. And to me, that's an encouraging sign. To me, that's an encouraging thing because to me, it says you want to grow. I want to grow. We want to develop. We want to be fully surrendered to Jesus. We want to be all in. We want to do everything that he's called us to do and become everything that he said that we can, right? That's what we want. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a challenge this week. I, when you start thinking in old patterns, old ways, well, this is never going to work out. We're never going to get out of this. No, find the reset. Find what God says about it. All things are possible to them who believe. We are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. Well, you know, I just don't know how we're going to make it financially. I don't know how it's going to happen. Listen, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Change the way you think. Use God's word to bring about a transformation in your thoughts. Can we do that? Can we do that together? Let's do that together in Jesus' name. Everyone say, soul, reset. It's going to happen in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for each and every one.